So if you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 14, a passage that I've used um, over the last three sermons that I have preached here concerning the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And I'm also going to add one more passage of Scripture there to this final um, message that I'll be preaching on the symbol of the Holy Spirit, which is 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'll be reading from verse 8 through 12. So at this point in time, let's just um, look to the passage this evening in John chapter 14, and um, we're going to see where God is leading us. So um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me, and I'll be reading from two passages, two different versions of of, um, of the Bible today. I'll read from first uh, John chapter 14. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version and the First Kings chapter 18. I will be reading from the King James Version. So don't don't feel um, any way um, that you're not going to be able to follow. You can pretty much um, follow. Don't worry about that. So um, let us just ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, Thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for the way, God, that you have been speaking to us. Through your word, through the power of your spirit, that you have made known your ways to us. And, Lord, as we come this evening, Lord, to look to you, Father, we ask and pray once again, God, that you'll open up our hearts, open up our understanding, and allow us to hear your voice through your word. And, Lord, God, in any way, God, that you see fit to minister to us, we give you praise and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 14 and verse uh, 15, and it says here, and the passage of scripture is also on the screen. Jesus said that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. That is John 14. And then if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter, um, sorry, that should have been John, 1 Kings chapter 19. And this here is a familiar passage of scripture of Elijah um, and with Jezebel. And, um, you know, uh, this passage of scripture is very, very familiar, uh, very, very familiar with most people. But here is the passage that um, we are going to read, verse 8, and it says there, And he arose, which is Elijah, arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel has forsaken the covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophet with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. This is God's word. We give God praise and thanks for his word. August, on August 7th, I promised, which was my last message um, uh, before we went on vacation, I promised that we are going to mix things up um, a bit for the month of August. On August 14th, we had Danielle uh, from Hebron Church here, the worship director, uh, came and ministered to us. And then on August 14th, which was last week, we did a pre-recording of a previous uh, message that I preached at Jennings Creek um, in, uh, CRC in Lindsay, Ontario. And um, just want to say thanks to everyone who take time to join us uh, for the pre-recorded message as well. And this week we're going to look at part three of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, which will bring us to the end of the series, but not the end of our study on the, whole, on the Holy Spirit itself. So what I have done when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit or the topic, I started out and, and introduced uh, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the purpose for the Holy Spirit to come, um, and the reason for the Holy Spirit to come. Then we looked at some symbols that represents the Holy Spirit. I did part one and part two, and now this is part three, covering all the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to look at the three remaining symbols, which is, and I think it's going to be on the screen for us. First, we're going to look at the still, small voice. We're also going to look at the first fruit, which is another symbol of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to look at the endowment of the Holy Spirit. These are three symbols of the Holy Spirit. The passage we just read tonight here in First Kings um, you, the latter part of that verse that I read, you heard, and, and I, um, Elijah said, and he heard the still small voice of the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at the still small voice, the first fruit of the Spirit, and the endowment of the Spirit. Now let's first look at the still small voice, or the gentle whisper, or the low whisper in some translation. And there is only one reference where the Holy Spirit is mentioned, where this, where you will hear or you, can, you will read of this still small voice or low whisper in some translation, there is only one reference that you will find, and that is in, the, in Kings, 1 Kings, that we just read here, chapter 19. And um, if, I, if I can read the English Standard Version for you, it says, and he said, which is, Elijah, uh, God says to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And here's what God commanded Elijah. And he said, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and it break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It is the Lord is not in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake. The scripture says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, this fire, the Bible talks about, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. So if you see low whisper in your English translation, it also means a still small voice. 
But, but what does this mean to us as believers in Christ? How does this represent or symbolize the Holy Spirit? You see, the still small voice or low whisper symbolizes the voice of God. It symbolizes the voice of God. The same Holy Spirit that was at work in the Old Testament is at work in the hearts and the lives of every believer, every child of God in the body of Christ. Every born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is at work in and through their lives. Every believer is indwelt by the Spirit of God. And each and every one of us as believers in Christ should be aware of the Holy Spirit work in our lives. We, must, we should be aware of what God Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And the Holy Spirit function, brothers and sisters, and you've heard me say this right here, is, is, is to convict the world, is to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And today God, God speak to us. God speak to us through His Word. This Word is the written Word of God. God has a way in which He speaks to us through these 66 books. God speaks to us through His Word. This here is the written Word. The written Word reveals the living Word, which is Christ. Christ is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. And God speaks to us through His Word. So when you want to hear God speaks, where do you go? You don't go uh, just lock yourself in a closet. But if you also want to hear God speak, God speaks through His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to our spirit that we are, the Bible says, children of God. And that is how we as believers in Christ know and are sensitive of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit that inspired these words and it is the Holy Spirit that does the work of making known the Word of God to us. Reveal it, illuminates it, makes it alive, brings it alive to us today. And when we hear God's Word, we hear God's voice as well. When we hear God's voice, we hear God's voice as well. And the two always goes hand in hand together. You cannot hear God's voice without not hearing God's Word and, 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 I'm, and I am surprised how so many believers in Christ don't spend time reading God's Word. Don't spend time wanting to hear from God. The Bible is the, like I said to the church that I preached at this morning, the Bible is the least thing. You know, we, it, it's something that we don't go to every single day. Some believers don't go to the Bible every day. We don't go to God to hear what He has to say to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, I love this passage of scripture. So faith comes. He says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. That is important for us to know. That is important for us to understand. And one thing that I'd like to caution us this evening, and as I was preparing this message, I, it just felt, I just felt in my heart to say this. That we must be careful when, when, when other, other believers, when, people, when, when others come and claim that they have a special revelation from God concerning our lives. We have to be careful when people come and say to us that you, they have a special revelation from God. And I felt as I was preparing this message that, that I needed to say this. 
that if, if, if believers were still, if we as believers uh, were still re receiving special revelation from God, like some claim, the Bible would, would be an incomplete book. This book here would be incomplete if we are receiving special revelation from God today. And you have men and women who go about telling people that they have special revelation from God concerning their lives. And we have to be careful when we use God's name and claim that we have special revelation from God. Now let me take a minute just to explain where I'm, what I'm trying to say here tonight. And, one, and, and the, sub, the, the subject of special revelation. God has chosen two ways, brothers and sisters, two ways to reveal himself to us. God has chosen to, two ways to reveal himself to his creation. That is, to humanity, we who are created in the image and the likeness of God. There are two ways that God has revealed himself to us. General revelation and special revelation. What are, what, what, what's the difference between two? So just allow me this evening here to just spend some time to, to talk about these thing, these two things because it's important for us to understand. General revelation simply means in context that God has made himself known to all humanity. God communicates who he is. God communicates his existence and at the same time God communicates his glory and his power so that all of creation is without excuse. Everything that we see in God's creation, God has made known himself to us through his creation. Everything that he has created so that we can see and feel and understand and hear, God has created. God has used the created things to make known himself to us. That is general revelation. Every man, every boy, every girl, every one of us are without excuse. That we can say we cannot see the hand of God. We do see the hand of God in his creation. When we look at the beauty of this world and the created things and how we marvel sometimes of how things are put together and how the stars and the sun and the moon, and when we look at it and we, we look at the vastness and the sheer beauty of it, it is all because of how God has manifested all of these things, reveal all of these things and make known himself to us. So that's general revelation. Because the truth, these truths of, of general revelation can be made, can, can, can be known of God. God can be known through nature and all the things that he has created. Hear what Paul says if, if you're doubting me this evening. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Hear what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, un, and, unforge, and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Paul is warning us. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain what can be known of God. It's plain. We can see it. All of us can see it. Because God has shown it to them. God has made it known. But here what Paul says in verse 10, verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. 
in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Paul says that when you look at all of God's creation, they are without excuse. No man can say that they have no knowledge that there is a God. Here Paul says though, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Basically what Paul is saying, they have ignored God and turned to God's creation and then make their own God. And we bow down and we worship him. And even Jesus, we make a Jesus on a cross and we worship him. We bow down before him. That's idolatry. We're told not to do those things. Don't take created things and make images an idol and worship it. And the Bible says that God, men, men, men choose to do so because they want to find their own way of appeasing themselves and not to please God. And Paul says that is without exclusion. This general revelation God has given to everyone. So none of us, when we stand before God, we're going to make an excuse that we never know him. Hear what, hear what the psalmist said, Psalms 19. He said, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The psalmist declared that he says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And you can step out in the night skies and just watch the beauty of it, brothers and sisters. The sky above proclaims the handiwork of God. Day and night pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So that is general revelation. I think we all understand that. But what is special revelation? As much as we have general revelation, we also need special revelation. God didn't just give us all these created things and says, hey, know me. Unlike general revelation, special revelation, which most people would claim to say that they have, Special revelation brings lost humanity or sinners to saving faith in Jesus Christ. All of which is the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Or what is known as the, as the born again experience or being born again. We all know of which all of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And there is no one of us here this evening can come to faith with unless the Holy Spirit draw us. That is special revelation. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a, a, a sinner. Convicting them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because you're a sinner and you need a savior. And because you are lost, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict you of that. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit not only convicts you of this, but it convicts you of righteousness and of judgment. Why of righteousness? Because, because of the righteousness of Christ. Because you need the righteousness of Christ so that you can stand before a holy and a righteous God. It is the only way that you are justified before God. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit making and bringing you to that knowledge. It is not something that you can do by yourself. 
That is special revelation. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a sinner. The Bible says, unless one is born of the Spirit, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot and he will not enter the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit needs to do that work in your life. Because you can never come to faith in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does in every one of us. We just can't get up and do that. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, you can choose to agree with me or not. But that is, that is, God hasn't left that for us. Jesus said, you must be born again. And some people believe that they can enter the kingdom of God or that they can, that they can, they can en enjoy eternal life and eternal salvation by doing works of righteousness. And some people believe that, that they can, they, they, they can follow after the tradition of man. But you can't do that. You can go through all the form and formality and all the rituals, but you can, we will never enter the kingdom of God unless the Holy Spirit convict you. And special revelation is the work of the Holy Spirit. So be careful when people come and say these things to you. Here what Paul says in Hebrews chapter 1. Paul says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, now, here what Paul says, God is, has spoken to us by his Son. You see that? Whom he appointed is the hearers of all things, through whom he created the world. General revelation shows us the created things that it speaks about God and the Holy Spirit make known Christ to us. And so, so like I said before, be careful of those folks who claim to have a special revelation from God. And some folks will pray hundreds of dollars to hear these so-called men and women speak into their lives. Because they fail to realize that God uses His Word through the power of the Holy Spirit to make known Himself to us. His ways to us. Yet, yet believers, yet those who fail to read their Bible and spend time with God. You wonder why they run around with all form of teaching and doctrine and all sort of things that people say, but they will never go to the Word to read it for themselves. You know, I, I just want to share this just, just as an example of what happened to my own personal life that last week when Deborah and I were away um, and, and we were taking time out for, you know, you know this, this whole retreat that we were on just to relax and to renew and to refresh. Uh, you know, I le I, I, both, uh, both Deborah and I left here, believe I personally left here believing um, that in my quiet time in the woods and where we were, I will really get those quiet time to really hear from God. And I did. I did. I did not hear an audible voice shouting in my ears. And a passage of scripture that keeps coming to my mind over and over and over again 
was, was this passage from Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Because I was, I was trusting God and believing in God to, to minister to me in my own personal life. Not, not maybe because, you know, I, yes, God speak to me, but I also want you to speak to our relationship as well. And, and as we take time to do so, I felt over and over these passages keep coming to my mind. Be still and know that I am God. And this particular passage, as I said, it just, just keeps showing up. I mean, when we got into our room, it was big. Even before we got there, big still on the ledge of the fireplace, it says, be still. I'm like, wow, isn't that amazing how God works? And then we were walking one day through, the, 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 doing our hiking, and at the end of the hike, there is this nice, beautiful patio. And inside, as we walk in, there is the same word again, be still and know that I am God. And I started to feel and sense how God has been speaking to me. But in my mind and in my heart, I was thinking that I was leaving here, that God was going to speak to me, you know, when I go into the quietness of the woods and, and just relax and, and just hear him speak. I wanted God to speak to me in places that I believe I felt and I would sense his presence. But you know the beauty of it, God uses those words in my room. God uses the sign as I was walking that all he wanted me to just to be still and know that he is God. And I says, Lord, how are you speaking? What does this mean? And in our discussion, in our group discussion, in our time, God was using the little things, the things from his word to just minister to me. And I felt that and I knew throughout that whole week that we were there that God uses his word over and over to take me back to his word and to remind me of who he is and, and, and the work that he's doing in, in, in our lives and some of the things that he's working in. But I did not hear an audible voice, but I sensed the spirit of God and the presence of God and how God speaks. And brothers and sisters, you can feel, you can sense that, you can know that when the Holy Spirit is at work, it, it is nothing no different that you have to go work it up. It's just preparing your hearts and your life. Reading God's word is important because all of what God was ministering was coming from his word. God, take me back every time to his word and to minister to me. And I want to encourage you that if you take time out to hear from God, you will hear from him. Hear what Isaiah said just to encourage your hearts. Hear what Isaiah said in Isaiah 54. Come, the Lord says, come. All of us that are here this evening, God says, come everyone who thirst. God is calling us. The Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us to come all those who are thirst. Come to the waters, he who has no money. You don't have to bring anything, he says. You just come. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Hear what the word is saying tonight that Isaiah is saying. God is saying, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Now, another time I'm going to explain these passages, what it meant by honey and wine. God says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. What was God saying? You know what? 
When you want to find food, you come to my word. You come here, you come and you can find it. If we search it and we read it, we will find food, that food that will fill our hearts and satisfy our soul. But we don't read it. I hear what Isaiah say, incline your ear and come to me. God says, hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. What incline mean? Let's just point to that word. Incline means to give ear to God, to listen to the voice of God. Pay careful attention. God wants to speak to us, brothers and sisters. In the very first inception when God created Adam and Eve, God says, the Bible says, God came down in, in the day, in the stillness of the day, and he's, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. In the cool of the day, God was speaking to them. Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord. Not, they didn't hear a thunderous voice, a voice that would scare them off. No, it was gentle. And that's the, that's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. Isn't that what we talked about several weeks ago? It was the voice of God calling, out their, to, calling their attention, both Adam and Eve. And God still speaks to his people today through the work of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through his word. You see, so many of us believers want to hear the still, small voice of God. We long to hear it. We wonder how we're going to hear it. But we look for God to speak to us in the wrong places. We sometimes tell God where we want to hear him speak to us. Elijah, Elijah thought he would hear God speak in the wind. He thought he's in the thunder. He thought he's, he's going to hear God's voice in the fire. But none of those things manifest. God, was, God used to speak to him. It is until God got his attention, God spoke to him with a still, small voice. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, that if you're here this evening and you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you set yourself to read God's word in the morning and in the night, when you pray, you can hear his voice. But if you don't pick, spend time to do so, you know, you're just going thinking that, oh yes, I want to hear him, but you're looking for him. But he wants you to spend time. But we need to take time to read these, this book. Need, you don't need to read a whole five, six chapters a night. Just take your time and gracefully read God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. So that is the still small voice of the Lord still speaking to us today. And I know many of you that are here tonight that are watching as well, can also testify of those times when God speaks to you. When you just sit down and you just allow the word. Even the songs that we sing tonight, when you listen to them, how God speaks to us, and you can sense the presence of God. But if you, if you are not in tune, if you are not living your life, that you're, you know, Baba said, they that, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. It's when our heart and our spirit that we long for God, when we long for the Holy Spirit, when we long for Him to, 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 to fill us through His Word and through all that He's doing in our lives, we will hear from Him. Here what Paul says, the second thing that we want to talk about tonight is a symbol of the Holy Spirit as the first fruit. The first fruit, Romans 8, 21, Paul says, 
So that is this, the still small voice. The second thing is the first fruit of the Spirit. Here Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning and as in the, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He says, now we are still groaning. Not, that, not only so, but we ourselves. Paul says, we ourselves are groaning who have the first fruit of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. Paul says all of us are groaning within, waiting for the adoption, for the redemption of our body. You see, in the Old Testament, first fruit represents the first harvest. And, and, it, and, and it was also symbolic of the harvest of the believers in Christ in the New Testament, which is going to, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit also took place on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people gave their life to Christ, when, they, when the Holy Spirit draw them and bring them and the first, and the early church was started. And the first fruit also speak of that work of the Holy Spirit that he's doing today in the hearts and the lives of the believer bringing us to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Paul said that we as believers, he says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our body. You see, our salvation is not complete here on earth, brothers and sisters. Your salvation is not complete here on earth. We will achieve full salvation when we, we receive a glorified body. That's what Paul is saying. Or, and what is known as our resurrected body. We will come to full, we will come to, we, we will come to receive that full salvation only when we receive our resurrected body. We will not know it in this sinful world and this sinful body that we have. It is only when we are given that new body that Christ will give us. Because of what Christ has accomplished for us, the work of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, we are guaranteed, guaranteed of a resurrected body. You see, several weeks ago, we looked at the Holy Spirit as a pledge or a seal. We look at it as a pledge or a seal. And if the Holy Spirit is a pledge or a seal, we are sealed, Paul says, until unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit don't do half work in our lives. Paul says you are sealed unto the day of redemption when God will redeem your body. Make it alive when this old body, Paul says, will, God, will be done away and God will give us a resurrected body, a body that is glorified so that we can live with Christ. Here what John says in 1 John chapter 2, John says, children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists, Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. And if they had been of us, they would not have continued with us. They would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were all not of us. But you, brothers and sisters, you, there are some that are going to be in the church, Paul says. That's what the scripture is saying. There are some, that, uh, John is saying, there are some that is going to be here to claim that they know Christ. 
Judas was well among the 12 disciples, but yet again he betrayed Christ. Yet again he betrayed Christ, and there are going to be people in the church sitting in the pews. Paul is saying, John is saying here, but there's going to be this falling away. They're never going to make it in, into the kingdom of God. And some people don't really like this. John says, but they were never part of us. Even though they were among us, they would have never part of us. Because if they were of us, with us, they would have continued. But here how he's going to explain this. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. You have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit truly do a work in your life, you are sealed and you are guaranteed an eternal salvation. And you all have that knowledge. When the Holy Spirit is, is at work in your life, you have that knowledge. And he says in verse 22, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because you no know lie is of the truth. And John, John said, who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Antichrist basically means those who are against Christ. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If, you, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father forever. And this is the promise that he made to us and that he has given to us eternal life. And John says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing, hear what he says, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. The Holy Spirit abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work of the teaching in your life. And the preaching of the word and, the, and all that we do today, brothers and sisters, is the work of the Holy Spirit. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you to abide in Christ. Simply what it means that it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in every one of us. You see, those who are in Christ, you are not temporarily saved. You are eternally saved. You're not just safe for, you're not just, you're not, you're not temporarily safe. It, the, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is for an eternal salvation, not a half salvation. And the Holy Spirit assures us of, of this full and complete salvation that we have in Christ. And that is what it, that the Holy Spirit does in our heart. This first fruit of the Spirit is this, the gathering of the saints, the gathering of the fruits like in the Old Testament. Is bringing all those who are lost into the, into the kingdom of God. And Paul says all those who are in Christ have the first fruit of the Spirit. You have that assurance. You have that you are part of what God is doing. And Paul says even though we have this, have this we, we, we have the first fruit of the Spirit. He says that we, we groan inwardly because we are not there yet. We're not there yet. We haven't achieved yet eternal salvation. But we, 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 that's why he said we're growing. We're eagerly waiting for the adoption of our sonship and for the redemption of our body. 
Paul says we're all doing that. We're all waiting for that day to come. And, and, and I just want to ask, are you not excited when you read passages like, passages like these? Remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. That, we're, that it is not a hope that is dead, but a hope that is alive. A living hope. And each and every one of us have something to rejoice today. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we are not lost. And so that is the first fruit of the Spirit. The last and the final thing that I want to touch on. I know it's a bit of a longer message than I normally would preach. But a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the last is the endowment of the Spirit. Um, and, and this is Jesus' word in, the, in this third symbol and the final symbol that we're going to look at tonight. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And hear what Jesus says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is Jesus' word to each and every one of us. He says, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued. End you with the power from on high. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. The same promise is given to us. The same work of the Holy Spirit is given to us. And then this promise is repeated in the day of uh, in, on, uh, on the day of Jesus' ascension in Acts chapter 1 verse 5. Jesus said to them that when before he ascended, he said, John baptize you with water, but you will be baptized. Hear what he says, you will be baptized. Everyone who come to faith in Jesus Christ. He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. He was telling his disciples, and this here continues in the life of the believer. Of every one of us who come to faith in Christ. So there is no special baptism that you have to receive. It is when the Holy Spirit regenerates and brings you to the faith in Jesus Christ. So when they have come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at the same time restore the kingdom of Jerusalem? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Hear what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit what? Has come. Come upon you. And pay attention to that word. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. In, in, in Luke gospel, it says the Holy Spirit, you will be endued with power on high. Here in Acts, he's saying that you will be what? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost part. Similar passage. When you want to draw a comparison between what Jesus said and to the Old Testament. Look how the work of the Holy Spirit manifests itself in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You just heard Jesus' word to his disciples. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6 and 34. Hear what it says. But the Spirit of the Lord God came upon Gideon. Look at that key word. The Spirit of the Lord came upon it is the same as how the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Look, these are Old Testament passages. Gideon says, this passage in Judges said, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And Abiezer was gathered after him. You see, the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, came upon Gideon. Not only Gideon, but when you read the Old Testament carefully, you're going to see the Holy Spirit came upon David. He came upon Jeremiah. He came upon Samuel. He came upon Elijah. He, and you listen to all the prophets on the Old Testament saying the Holy Spirit came upon them. No different than the New Testament. 
You see, people draw this distinction that the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament is different from the New Testament. No, it is the same. The only difference is that the Holy Spirit indwells the believer in the New Testament. The New Testament saints has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but the, the same Holy Spirit is upon the believer in the Old Testament. The same Holy Spirit is upon the believer in the New Testament. Isaiah says, this is the word of Jesus, and I'm going to be coming closely, slowly to an end. This is Jesus also said the same very thing. Hear what Jesus said, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Jesus in his humanity when he enters the temple. This is Isaiah speaking long before Jesus came. Isaiah is prophesying, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Jesus repeats the same very word and closes the, the scroll and says, today the passage has been fulfilled. That the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Spirit came upon Jesus in his humanity. And then, when Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem, that the Spirit will come upon them, the fulfillment of that promise happens 10 days after on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This endowment of the Spirit is the Spirit coming upon the believer to close the, to clothe the believer to baptize the believer, to fill the believer with the power and the anointing of God. That is all it is. That is the symbol of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about. The symbol in Acts chapter 2, it says that the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a song like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared on them. And each and every one of them. And they were all what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This infilling is not only, not because they spoke in tongues. This infilling is because it has now come upon. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon the hearts and the lives of the believer. Fulfilling God's promise. And that is the endowment that Jesus talked about. That when the Holy Spirit, he will, you will be endued with power from on high. And then he says, go with the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will never know what it is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that's all it is, brothers and sisters. The symbol of the Holy Spirit of his endowment is to come upon us. And then Jesus said, the Holy Spirit not only is going to come, but he's going to indwell you. Each and every one of us. And God has given us his Holy Spirit to, so that we can be witnesses for Christ. So that we can, we can tell and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. That is what Jesus said. That when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, he will, he, you, you will have power to be witnesses. And that, that's what it is. It's to witness. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Isaiah, in closing, says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, brothers. And as believers in Christ, we're all clothed with the Holy Spirit. 
Because none of us, if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we will never be able to stand before a holy and a righteous God. And the Holy Spirit is at work in each and every one of our lives. And I trust and pray that these three symbols, as you maybe listen to it again over and over, all the others that we have looked at, and all the other symbols that we have looked at, that you will continue to encourage your hearts to walk and to grow in your relationship with Christ, and really to take time out and to know God, Holy Spirit, and to study His Word and to know Him. So I want to encourage you to take time to read God's Word, to meditate. Don't leave the Bible on your shelf for, to, for you to get you know, dust and cobweb and only pick it up only when you feel the need to do so. But do so because you have a genuine love for Christ and you want to hear Him, you want to learn from Him, you want Him to speak to you. And so I want to encourage you this afternoon that to take time out to read your Bible and to pray and to see God. Let us pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, that we have come to the end of looking at the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you have taught us so much uh, over these past several weeks. God, you have helped us to understand deeper, Lord, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The way he manifests, the way God, you, the scripture has spoken of him. And we pray, God, that you're going to continue to teach us, each and every one of us that are here, those that are listening as well, God, will continue to take time to read your word, to hear from you, God, as they read your word. And Lord God, not just to put it on a shelf and leave it there, but everything that we do in our lives every single day, Lord, make time and take time out to really to read your word and to know you whom to know is life eternal. God, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us once again. In Jesus' name, amen.